Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay with God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so excited to be here again this week, and I'm so excited to have a new guest. I appreciate all of you who continue to listen and share and like and follow. I keep seeing some new names coming up on the list of people who are following the podcast, and I'm so excited to see you. And um, I really appreciate you guys for listening and to share and do all the things you do that make this a very visible podcast for those who need to see it. So today I am with another great guest and we decided to stop laughing just in time to uh, come on air because we just have the best time talking to each other and we've just met, but, um, but we, we love to laugh and we're having a good time. So we'll probably continue to do that on the podcast. So you're welcome to join us. So my guest today is Chris Davis and uh, Chris was a faithful Mormon for 38 years. She served a mission for the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, got married in the temple to a man and raised a family for 20 years as a stay-at-home mom. In 2017, her youngest came out as transgender and Chris knew she had to leave the church in order to protect her team from damaging rhetoric and hurtful reactions of local church leadership. She has written an essay, which will be published in an anthology by the University of Utah Press next spring titled Five Reasons I Didn't Belong. And she is working on her own memoir to tell her brave story of overcoming religious trauma and coming out as a lesbian later in life. And before I got on the podcast with Chris, I had written (laughs) this sentence because after I do a podcast and I'm getting ready to upload it, I will come up with just a short ditty of something to, uh, to get people to see it on Apple. And I had said that Chris had the three M's, practicing Mormon, married, and mom until she didn't. (laughs) so we'll see if that still sticks after this but that's where my head went so Chris I really appreciate you being here welcome to the show thank you so much it's my pleasure to be here Mitch yeah yeah thank you I I just so appreciate you doing this and um so Chris I'm I'm so I have read your narrative and I loved it and you are very open and very raw about how how your life has been and you don't hold much back which I really appreciate and um and it's just an amazingly sad and heroic story uh of what can happen but let's just start back at the beginning and we'll we'll try to get all the bases covered and then we'll talk about uh your upcoming memoir and when people can expect to see that but when did you know that you were gay I had a uh, a friend in second grade, no, first grade. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was seven and um, we had a sleepover and I had quite an experience with her <laughs> that just uh, introduced me to the idea that maybe girls could like girls. And so um, uh, I, but I, I didn't really understand what that meant. And then um, as I grew older, I was 13 when Charlie Howard uh, was murdered in Maine in my hometown, mm. uh, Bangor, Maine, for um, just for being gay. He was he was beaten and thrown in the river, and uh, he died. and And uh, that sent a clear message. The message was everybody thought it was funny. Oh no! My friends and my family all made tons of jokes about the Chucka Queer Bridge and just all this terrible things. Oh and I thought, goodness. if I am this, I am not telling anybody. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how terrifying. Yeah. So I just uh, kept in the closet and just um, didn't really admit to myself. During that time, I joined the Mormon Church and um, just um, tried not to try not to focus on it and just um, not, not make it a part of who I was. And mm-hmm. so um, I didn't really date in high school. I had just group friends. I was a band geek. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, just just had a lot of group fun. And then um, I went on my mission and, um, you know, had to, I'm, a, I'm assigned a companion on my mission who is female and we are together for 24 hours. Oh, wow. And it is difficult when you find someone attractive to not act on that or not at least admit it. And so um, that was a struggle for me mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of my companions, but um, that was a year and a half long. And then um, I got home from my mission and just started looking for a husband and to start my family because that's what I was told to do. And, um, I did, I found a man who was very gentle and kind and, um, we built a life together mm-hmm. and we raised two children. Uh, I raised a boy and a girl, but I ended up with two sons <laughs> in the end. <laughs> and, um, it was, it was when my kids were really little that I, I had a traumatic experience happen in my life. My brother passed away and I had already been dealing with postpartum depression and it just put me in the trunk. It just, it just kicked my butt. And so Mm -hmm. I had to go in the hospital. Uh, I was so overwhelmed. I just had a breakdown Uh while I was in the hospital. I was talking to my doctor there and I finally confided in someone that I was attracted to women and I finally admitted it to myself and here I was seven years into a marriage with a man two little kids ages one and four and I realized that I had I had made a terrible mistake Uh and that I was living a wonderful life in the suburbs of Connecticut and um, you know a, a happy life by looking from the outside, but it was not my life. And so I had to make a plan uh, to survive for until these kids were graduated from high school. And so I raised them for the next 17 years until the youngest um, was graduated from high school. And then my plan was to go ahead and end my life when they Mm. were, when they were gone. Divorce was not even on my radar. I, I just, it wasn't an option. I was married for eternity in the temple. So when the temple tells you that your marriage is forever, there are no outs. There's even if you were being physically or sexually abused by your husband, even if he, no, no, no. are there some outs? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's a way, but you have to get in order to get a divorce, a temple divorce, which I'm not going to do. Um, you have to, uh, appeal to Salt Lake City and ask them <laughs> if you can be divorced. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's that's scary right there. I mean, that's just yes. the, like a, the Salt Lake City people. The because yeah. that's where I guess the the what do you call it? The the leadership. The leadership lives. the profit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Wow. I can't imagine being in a relationship for 17 more years, knowing that you are not able to live your authentic life and that you're in it for your children, but you, you lost 17 more years of your life, even though you lost the first part of it too, as far as, you know, that's, that's always been, you know, for me and for many of, of my guests, we, we talk sometimes about the time lost, how much time we lost in our secrecy, some from ourselves, because we came at such later in life, but that we lived in such secrecy that we couldn't live our life. You know, I felt like I was dying for those 17 Mm -hmm. years and just Mm -hmm. planning to die. And, and thank goodness. um, I had a friend who was studying to be a life coach and she, in order to certify, she needed somebody to practice on. Yay. All hands went up. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I highly re- recommend life coaching. Uh, it's really uh, enlightening and brings, brings your life into focus. Mm. But uh, this friend uh, discovered my plan to die at the end of my kid's uh, high school. And, um, this was just a couple of years before they were going to graduate. And, and she was appalled. She had known me for 
10, 12 years and had no idea that this was my plan. Mm. And so she talked to me about my goals and she talked, she asked me the single biggest question that I have ever contemplated. And that was, what do you want to be known for? Ooh. Like after you die, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm. And I thought, wow, I am on a trajectory that is not going to leave my family <laughs> proud to talk about me oh. you know, after I'm gone. And so um, we, we, she gave me lots of assessments for, um, you know, like my personality and things that are my strengths and mm-hmm. um, just really showed me that I have worth outside of being a mother and a wife oh. and, and that I have a life to live and that it may not include the family that I'm in, that I was in right then. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. that opened up so many doors and just enlightened me. Mm-hmm. So I started school and I, on my life coaches, uh, advice and, and counsel, and, uh, I'm studying to be in, uh, in English. Well, I am an English major. I'm studying to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And, um, last August, so a year ago, uh, and a little bit, um, I actually left my family, I packed up a U-Haul and I, and I moved away and I moved away from my Portland suburb into uh, Portland, in my Connecticut suburb uh-huh. into Portland, Maine. Uh, that's where I live now. But I didn't come out to my husband until January of 2020. And he wow. had no idea. So this is like recent. This is all new to me. Yep. Wow. So, so he didn't know for all that time. I thought he knew. I thought it was just something we didn't talk about. <laughs> I thought it was the elephant in the room. Turns oh, out figure. there was no elephant. No elephant. <laughs> you were just out there feeding it in the backyard. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that's a twist. Because so, a lot of times, you know, we come out to people and they go, well, I was wondering when you were going to tell me, or I always yes. knew, but I thought maybe if you stayed long enough, you wouldn't yes. have to leave. But no, your guy didn't even get it. <laughs> As we say and, down south, bless his heart. And I want to say no disparaging remarks about him. He is a fine man, a good man. who's a good Aww. husband. Oh, well, that's sweet. That's very sweet. And for for him to have have loved you, you know, all those years. Yeah. 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 And and I'm glad you got a good one. You know, if you if yes. you gotta go male, I'm glad you yeah. got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See, that whole thing just floors me anyway. I mean, because I, I don't and I'm not gonna guess as to how you made that happen, but it didn't take me but just a, a little bit of time to realize the what the male anatomy was all about and it was such a big no that i i also contemplated going into the nunnery i thought that i just needed to go be a nun (laughs) (laughs) this is what i mean i was little and i and and then of course my grandfather who was a minister about flipped out because you know catholics are going to hell don't you know and (laughs) i can't be a nun oh gosh (laughs) that doesn't bode well for the midge So I don't even know how I would, how far I would have to disassociate to live with a man and to have children with said man. I don't know how that would ever happen for me. So, so did you have to sort of like just disassociate a little bit or? I did. Absolutely. I dissociated for my whole life. Really. Mm -hmm. I just was disconnected. I was floating. I was pretending I was being very fake, but trying to look sincere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest the biggest lie we tell ourselves is that we're passing, you know, that, and 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 a lot of people do. I mean, but we we pass from ourselves, and that's our biggest lie is that we get into mm-hmm. situations like that, and like you said, we just we just close our eyes to our lives and we just keep going. Yes, oh, bless your heart yeah. too. Oh, and I, thank and you. I, and I say that sincerely. I mean, I know we joked earlier when we talked the other day about how Southerners <laughs> will bless your heart and stab you in the back, but I'm sincere. Yes. I know knives here. I, I really, I just okay. want to put so much blessing on you because it's just it's so sad that that you had to go through such pain internally, but continue to put it backwards. You couldn't even, you know. 
Yeah. I was trying to just be obedient to Mm. what I'd been taught at church. Mm. I had been given a, what's called a patriarchal blessing at 17 that told me about my future. Kind of like going to see an Oracle. And it said things like, you're going to marry a man. You're going to have children. These children are going to be very important to you. Um, you're going to serve a mission, you're going to do your genealogy, you're going to just a lot of things that, that um, were being lined up for me. And mm. I believed it wholeheartedly that this message was from God. Mm. And so I thought this must take the place of whatever I want in my life, because this is from God. And this is what I need to be obedient to. You know, that that just floors me that they set people up that way to to follow that kind of a, a, a law, almost, this is the law and to yes. be a, a good Mormon to get to the other side, this, you have to do all of these steps. And if you don't, you will never see your family again. <sighs> if you are perfectly obedient and righteous and do everything that the church asks you to do, then you can live with your family in the highest level of heaven and you can be together forever. Um, but if you're not righteous, if you're not obedient, if you don't follow the commandments that the church gives you, then you will lose those blessings and you will not be able to see your family. So I don't know if they use the word excommunication, but what is, what is the word that, that they use when, when you are sort of like shunned? There, there are a couple of levels of that. There's disfellowshipping, which is, um, just a temporary thing in order for you to take some time to repent. Um, You can't take the sacrament during that time. You can't, uh, you have to meet with the bishop regularly. You can't say prayers in public. Uh, There, there are just some specific things that Mm -hmm. you can't have full, full membership, full fellowship in the church. And then excommunication is when they hold a church court and um, just tell you, you can't be a member anymore because of your actions. And then you're done. And when you become not a member, is that when you lose rights to your family? So if you, if you become excommunicated and you're still married and your children were like maybe 10 and 11, you're out of their life and you can't see the children anymore. Oh, oh no, no. You can still be with your family in this life, but you'll never see them in heaven. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Cause I, there's some group and I, I, maybe I just thought it was Mormon that if you get, maybe it's the Amish that if you get shunned from their faith, that you can't be around people anymore. And I think the Jehovah's witnesses have practiced that way too. And they do too. Um, wow. Good gracious. I mean, the fear of eternal damnation is one thing. And that's why we all have such a hard time coming out to begin with. I mean, I don't, if I had not been raised in a Christian household and told that gay people were going to hell, I wouldn't have probably had that much of a problem. I would have had a problem, but I wouldn't have had that much of a problem because it was always the religious thing that held me in such pain and, and denial. And then you know, feeling like I needed to go ahead and go early because I'm not a wait, wait around kind of girl. So, um, but to have that extra baggage of, you know, you'll be separated from your family and you can't have the same rights as everybody else. That's, that's a double whammy for losing your rights. You can't have rights because you're gay and you can't have religious rights because you're gay. <laughs> yes. Yes. What a terrible thing to say to somebody, right? Yeah. But yeah. Their genuine self is not good enough. Yes. Your genuine self is not good enough. Yeah. So when you did come out, um, did you, so you were, you were getting treatment and you were getting life coaching and you were starting to put your authentic self together. Yes. You, know, you went to school, you started seeing yourself as a, as a person <laughs> instead of somebody's property. <laughs> yeah, you. Um, and so when, <laughs> When did you get to that point where you wanted to say out loud to your husband, eh, you probably already know, but <laughs> yeah. When did you get brave enough to say that to him? Um, it was just, I, I was taking a class and I wrote 
this essay that uh-huh. I sent to you. Uh-huh. And then um, there was a chance for it to get published. And so uh, <laughs> the, the queer, mem- women, queer Mormon Women Project contacted me and asked for the essay and or asked for an essay. They hadn't read it yet. And uh, I submitted that and they were really excited about it. And then I thought, wow, this is an opportunity for me to come clean and to be visible. And uh, so I finished writing the essay about a week before I came out to him. And I gave him a copy of the essay to help him understand where I had been and how much pain I had been in mm-hmm. over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, he didn't take it that way. He, he was very hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, he felt like I had been lying to him for a long time, which isn't necessarily untrue. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he was very hurt and, and uh, you know, angry. And so, uh, and I can't blame him one bit, but, but it was difficult for me because I tried to, to come out to him in a way that was gentle, that was in an environment that he, you know, we were at home, the kids were not at home. Um, it was just, I, I agonized over how to do this the most gentle way. And we, you know, I made sure we had time to talk if he wanted to talk and he just wanted answers immediately, you know, how long are you going to stay here? What does this mean for our marriage? And, you know, how long do we have left together? And he really, really took it hard. So at that point in his mind, our marriage is over. Yeah. When are you leaving? We're done. I'm not gonna, he, he wasn't in a space of saying, how can we work this out? Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. You're in so much pain. (laughs) I mean, and I get that. I totally get that because you had been working on this, you know, for however long you had been in treatment and coaching and processing your future and thinking about your life after he's still going along, just floating in the reality of his reality that he's going to have this wife forever until death do we part. And we're going to raise our children and we're going to not even until death do us part and forever. Oh, forever because we're together in heaven exactly That's as right. we are here yes yes <laughs> yes wow and so it was huge for me to for me to tell him i was going to break that covenant with him and with yeah. god you know that yeah. was that was a big deal i had already left the church by that point i left the church four years ago um i had been studying and um uh, doing a lot of thinking and a lot of um research on church history and just uh, I found a lot of inconsistencies with doctrine and principles and um it did not sit well with me and so I was already had one foot out the door and then my son came out as trans Mm. my now son and um he he bless his heart I'll say that. There <laughs> we go. Uh, he, all he wanted to do was figure out if he could be trans and still stay in the church. Oh. <clears throat> and so he came out on YouTube to his friends and, and a few followers and um, told, told his community that, that he was trans and these, this was his new name and this, these were her, his new pronouns. And um a member of the um, youth group leadership um, found out and took that to the bishop, the head of the congregation, and said, you know, am I allowed to use this new name and these new pronouns? And she was very innocent about it, but she, but she, um, you know, outed, outed my son to the, to the bishop, to the church leadership. And so um, the bishop called us all in, um, my husband, myself and my teen, uh, he was 15 Mm -hmm. and, um, said that he, the Bishop said that he wanted to manage expectations early. (laughs) What do you think Bishop meant by that? (laughs) (laughs) He laid it out. He said exactly what he meant. He called us in and we, we went in there and, um, he just said, there is no such thing as transgender. We are assigned gender before birth. And, um, the, these things don't change according to social whims and, uh, you can't use your new name and pronouns at church. Uh, and I'm not going to let anybody else at church do that either. 
and he actually went to other families of the youth, the youth group, um, and and told them about. Oh, did I say Chase? I said the name. Sorry, doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so my teens. Um, name and pronouns would not be used there and that um, he would have to use the women's room and he would have to go to the assigned female classes and um, groups and just participate as if he were female, even though he no longer identified that way. Uh And I knew that this was going to be damaging. Now I had heard rhetoric for the 38 years I was in the church, I had heard rhetoric about how, you know, being gay was, was not appropriate for members of the church. And that, um, you know, it's evolved quite a bit over since the eighties. Um, but at this point you can be gay, but you can't practice being gay. (laughs) You can't, uh, be in a relationship. You can't, um, have a, a family, you have to remain celibate. It's just um, very restrictive. And I knew mm-hmm. that um, that my child, although I could take that myself being aimed at me, you know, nobody knew it, but I was, I was internalizing a lot of homophobia and a lot mm-hmm. of self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I didn't want that for my kid. Mm-hmm. And so I took him out of the church and I told him that the church is not true like Santa Claus. Uh-huh. And we spent Sundays after that uh, at Panera, toasting our sweet tea and our coffee, <laughs> our our milky white coffee, because <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to have tea or coffee as a Mormon. Oh, you can't have caffeine. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, you can have caffeinated soda and you can drink hot cocoa, but it's a little complicated. But the point I is not be able to keep all that in my head. <laughs> The point is we were, we were sitting during church time and we were having brunch at, at, at the, at the restaurant. And we were telling each other every week, just how happy we were that we had left and that we could be ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And and my son taught me to love myself. He taught me not only to accept myself for who I am, but to love myself for who I am and not in spite of who I am. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that was quite, quite a blessing. I, um, I guess I skipped the part where I told him when he was 15, when he came out to me, I told him that I was a closeted, closeted lesbian as well. Ah. And so that was at 15 in 2017. And I did not come out to my husband until 2020. Wow. <laughs> so we had a few years there of, of secret keeping uh, for me. And I really appreciate that, uh, that loyalty from him. And, and, and I still go over in my mind, the ethics of, of, you know, hiding something from my husband and telling my child and, but I would not do it differently. I wouldn't, I would do it the same if I had the same situation again, it really helped us come close. Well, and I, and I, my question was, I'm sorry that, that I cut you off. My question is that, do you think that if you had not told him that you were a lesbian and he went through all of this with the church and felt like no one else in the family could understand his path. What do you think would have happened to your now son? I hope, I hope that it wouldn't be true, but I would think he would adopt a similar plan as I did Mm -hmm. to, to kill myself I just, I didn't want him to get to the point where he thought the only way out was to die because mm-hmm. um, there are no gay people in heaven. And so uh, the only way to be cured is to die. Oh, okay. Let me slow myself down here. <laughs> so if you, if you come out as gay on earth and then you kill yourself would you then go to Mormon heaven? Well, probably not. Okay. But, but at least you'd be, <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's okay. taking a life. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. But yeah. at least you'd be, I would be cured from the, yeah. the affliction that I had. Yeah, I see. Then you, 
then you would be a clean dead person that wasn't going to heaven instead of a right. dirty old homosexual. Right. <laughs> oh, can we not just hear the insanity of all this? I mean, that is insane. Yeah, it is insane difficult. what the church and other religions hold us accountable for. It is insane. Um, and I said this on another podcast that I just wonder who holds the blood on their hands for the people who kill themselves because of what they're being taught. Right. I mean, seriously, right. I mean, that, I just don't understand, you know, how you can, I mean, my, I just don't know. That just drives me nuts. Yeah. It's terrible. It's a terrible message of exclusion and, you know, hate. Yeah. So I know that with, with coming out and telling parents and spouses, and especially when you, when you have had such a deep connection with somebody for so many years and they, and they get blindsided, you know, basically, of course, they're going to have some sort of a knee jerk reaction and, and how you set that up and what you did was just really so loving and gentle, but there was no way to gentle it enough because it was just like a pull the floor out from under his feet kind of thing. So has he, has he since then been able to recover and, and be in relationship with you and your, your now son? No, no. Well, uh, he's in a relationship with my, our son. Um, Okay. Our son lives with him. So he's your um, trans son. My trans son lives with him. Wow. And my, my soon to be ex-husband has been very supportive and, um, and, uh, shockingly so uh i it really shows that his children come first and Mm -hmm. and i'm really grateful for that Mm -hmm. yeah but it's difficult for members of the church to uh let's see how do they word it sympathize with or associate with uh people who teach against what the church teaches um there's a there's a worthiness question there that they get interviewed on regularly and and uh, it's it's since changed, so it's gentle language. But back then, it was it was you can't be associated with people who are living against the teachings of the church, and it's it it puts a very difficult puts a family in a very difficult position. And my mom um, loves me, but can't accept me because she's in the church too. She's in the church too. She and I are in the church. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that hurts. Mm-hmm. It, it hurts that she can say, I love you, but I don't accept who you are. <laughs> so can you still have like dinners together and see each yeah. other? Yeah, we do. We just don't talk about it. So if you, if you were to, to marry legally now in the state of Maine, right, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Marry another woman. Yep. Um, would that person be um, welcome at your mother's table? Um, I think, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, she hasn't even told her husband yet. I came out to my mom in the same month that I came out to my husband, uh, in January of 2020. And, um, I do have a partner at this point. Um, and we have had lunch together in a restaurant. Uh, with my mom. Uh, and my mom was nothing but gracious and um, loving and accepting. Uh, but I know that there are restraints on what she can, what she can do and, and what she would accept in her home. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We got the message early on that, um, yeah, that we can't, you can't push that down our throat. So, mm. so even though and, and before coming out, I mean, I had been at graduate school with my now wife and, um, and they knew her and liked her. She's way smarter than I am when it comes to like projects and stuff. And she has wisdom as a Leo that sometimes is just her Leoisms. I found out later. She's not, she doesn't always know everything, <laughs> but she comes up with really sane answers that sound really <laughs> true. <laughs> And sometimes she's right. And sometimes she's not, but, um, but they got along really, really well. But once coming out, um, my parents came to our new home that we had 
had just had built and we were having some sort of birthday party or something. And I was talking, daddy was on the couch and I was sitting on sort of the, the edge of the couch on the arm rest. And, mm-hmm. um, and I reached over, I was talking. So I reached over cause I I'm a hand talker and I reached over and, and touched my wife now's leg because I was talking about her and mm-hmm. my father bolted up and said, don't push that down my throat. You can be what you're going to be, but I don't have to see it. And you don't need to cram Whoa. it down my throat. And I was like, I didn't even Whoa. know I had done that. <laughs> and you were in your own home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to, we used to do what we call, well, before I came out, we would straighten up the house. So we made sure that everything <laughs> that might have some kind of <laughs> inkling of gay, I still had my room with my stuff mm-hmm. in it. She had mm-hmm. her room. And then when we built the house, the new house, I said to her, I said, you know, we need to come out to our people because I said, I'm not moving into a house and having a box for the guest room when, it, you know, my room, when really it's the guest room. And I don't want my stuff to go in the guest room and then have to haul all that crap back, you know, into our yes. room. I said, we need to, when we start over, we need to have a clear, clear United message. And I came out first and she was, she really didn't want to do it. And uh, she did decide to do it because she saw the wisdom in it, but she did, didn't want to go through that with her family. And her family was like way more awesome than my family was at the time. <laughs> her mom had a problem, but you know, her dad just, as soon as we told him, he jumped up and I thought we were going to die. I really, I thought we were going to die right there. And he came over and hugged <laughs> us. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I came out in a letter to my parents. I didn't go to town. I didn't, that was before cell phones and texting. You see, that's how um, old I am. Yes. Chris. Um, <laughs> I could not text my family. I had to write the letter. <laughs> Six pages before I use the word gay, and then I thought, okay, oh I need boy, to shorten this up and own it a little bit more. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I can't write the word. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so, but you know, they they all have this different way of dealing with that, and complicated with the church. I mean, even in in my faith, we don't have that kind of an excommunication thing. You know, it's not going to be that. I mean, they would welcome you to come so they could pray over you. I mean, they mm, <laughs> still had okay. to save your life, you see. So you're mm-hmm. still welcome. Oh, we welcome everybody. And we're just praying about them because, you know, they're mm-hmm. sinning, but they'll welcome you. Mm-hmm. They just won't. <laughs> <laughs> they won't probably come to your house for dinner, but they'll, they'll welcome you. <laughs> oh, and if you are excommunicated, you're still welcome to, you know, come to church and pay your tithing, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we'll take your money. We will. <laughs> oh, of course they will. Yeah, I had a friend will. who was told that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm surprised they don't charge you double. You know, one yeah. <laughs> 20%. Now you have to pay more because you're really sinning. The rest of us are just kind of sinning. But you're really sinning. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me oh my gosh i'm laughing too hard i'm I'm laughing (laughs) often now uh so so help me to understand that when your when your trans son decided to go back and live with dad or to go to stay living with dad or however that worked out is is he being i know you said your your soon-to-be ex-husband is is you know loving his child and 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 supportive in that way but can he be himself? Can, can he, is, is dad using his now name and pronouns and really? Oh my Yes. Very supportive. Isn't that amazing? Yes. It's amazing. And so awesome. So awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. He kind of, my, my ex-husband, he kind of followed my lead Mm. um, in the beginning. And I started first using the you know, we, we had like a few days of confusion, like, oh, wow, this is really out of the blue for us. And, and yeah. we didn't expect it. And so what are we going to do about it? And um, talking about, you know, losing a daughter and it's a big mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. And, but then I started, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to use the name and pronouns. Mm-hmm. And um, he just, he just followed my lead. And then our other son, eventually followed, followed the lead as well. 
So, yeah, because I see, I, I think I forgot for a second that he was only 15. So that meant that you were all still mm-hmm. living together. Yes. And yes. you had not come out. So dad still saw you as the yes. parent support team and how exactly. were you both going to handle it. And you're like, you just don't know the whole story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's, that's so beautiful that you were able to be there. And he knew mm-hmm. that he, you, he, he had an in-house parent that was totally supportive. And yes. then you were able to, to be supportive of him while you were still going through your transition. Yeah. The, it was coming out at some point. Yeah. yeah it, I would call it a blessing. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not really affiliated with churches right now, but, but I would still call that a blessing from somewhere Mm -hmm. uh, that we were able to share that together and Mm -hmm. just grow close together, my son and I, and Mm -hmm. to um, support one another and help each other overcome the trauma that we had experienced at church. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the biggest thing, you know, the path, the path from trauma, religious trauma to however you then reclaim your faith or your spirituality or your, you know, whatever, you know, you call it, you know, that, that takes a minute, (laughs) a really, really long minute. And, you know, I came out when I was 30, I'm now 62. And just last year, I don't, I don't expect it to take you 30 years. I'm slow. I'm really slow. (laughs) 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 But it, I had to unpack not only, you know, the, the idea from the church that I could not be gay with God. I had to unpack my own doubts about God. And, you know, I always doubted. I I never could understand how a God could just be really like, you know, when my brother was born, my, my next question was who made God because mama made my brother. So who made God? And I was like five, five and a half. I always thought I was four, but I found out from my mother that I I was older than that, but five and a half, but still pretty insightful question for a five and a half. Who made God? And my grandfather, who was a minister, told me to go to bed. (laughs) And I was like, well, if he doesn't know, I mean, why why is that a big secret? You know, and nobody could ever tell me who made God, but yet we're supposed to worship, believe, understand that all of these weird things in the Bible that sound really abusive sometimes to me, uh, mm-hmm. they're all inspired by this God who just never mm-hmm. and always existed. It, it's, I have questions. I, <laughs> I think doubting Thomas and I are twins in yeah, I just, <laughs> I just know we are. And it's not that I don't, I, I've always had that solid pull toward faith and I've always had so I, I would use the creator of all that is. So if you tell me that God made everything, okay, so he's the creator of all that is. But yet mm. it's still hard for me to understand. And I know it's in my human brain and we're not meant to understand and blah, blah, blah. But I like to have origins. I like to have yes. a, a beginning and an end. If you say that I'm the alpha and the omega. Okay, well, before that, before that first part, <laughs> where were you hanging out? Who are your people? Who were your people? That's what we want to know in the South. Well, who are your people? <laughs> and then you have cloud. <laughs> okay. So, you know, that's always, I had a lot of work that I had to do on not only, you know, the religious stuff, but the family stuff and my own doubts and my own fears about going to hell and, and how that was going to work. And, and could I continue to live in that confusion? And not want to kill myself, you know, still believing that if I am going to hell, I don't want to wait around. I don't want to continue to build a life I love. And then I'm going to go to hell. You know, that just didn't, it just never sat well with me. So, you know, I think as, as, as people move through this though, and I've seen it in so many guests that they get to a point where, you know, that pull for whatever, for them, the faith that, that they're called to is stronger than as, as the religious trauma heals their, their faith is stronger than that. You know, it's sort of like any trauma, right. That we go through any kind of sexual trauma or any kind of trauma. It does take time to go through the hurt and then healing is always at the end. It's not a forgetting, but it is a healing. If we go through the pain and we go through the journey and we go through the work, you know, sometimes the healing on the other side is a different way to be in relationship with God. 
And for me, that's true. Yes, that's absolutely that's true. true. And the identity of God is is um, not just his origin or its origin or mm-hmm. God's origin, but um, you know the just the idea of who God is. You know, yes. I've been taught a very patriarchal order, mm-hmm. a very patriarchal um, uh, hierarchy, and and just uh, I don't, I can't believe in that. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't believe in the, the Santa Claus God, you yeah. know, <laughs> the yeah. white man with the beard and it just yeah. does not feel right mm-hmm. to me. And so I believe, I believe in a source of love. Mm-hmm. That's the way I prefer to think of it. Mm-hmm. Cause I can, I can sink my teeth into that. Mm-hmm. Well, you I know, think all great religions have a source of love. Yes. And it doesn't matter what you call it. You know, the, you know, god or you know jehovah or whatever you know it it is it is the love that all great religions and lesser known religions they (laughs) they all come from love you know the native americans you know had the great white spirit but they also had a great respect for all things sacred the earth the water you know the sun the moon it all was created by whoever created it all and and they not not so much i don't think worshiped those things but knew that it was all interconnected and yes. and they treated the land with love and yes you know i just think that 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 is the biggest it's the biggest hurdle to be in such agape love but it is the way that we will all heal is when we can come from all of our different directions and meet in the middle where there's love. And that's what's going to heal the nation. Absolutely. From here, what I would want to know <laughs> is with the with the way that your life has, has turned out and you're in relationship with someone that meets your love needs and your soul needs and, and your life, and you're starting a new path. You've got your memoir coming out. You're going to have, you know, your essay in this anthology. So tell me from standing here now and looking back, if someone had come to you while you were still in temple and they said, my kid just came out as trans and you know Mm. what you know now, what would you tell them? Run away. Mm. run away fast, Mm -hmm. get, get them out of there. Mm -hmm. There is nothing good that can come of that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my, my son wanted to try to stay in the church and Mm -hmm. I just could not see the path for him to do Mm -hmm. that and still like himself. Mm -hmm. So run away. So living with dad, he is not made to go to temple. No, no, he doesn't have to go to church at all. And he's doing okay. Yeah. My son. Yeah. He's doing great. He's, Good. he's doing fantastic. He's taking a, a little bit of a gap between his uh, high school year and, and more formal education, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm so proud of him and just mm-hmm. the, the progress that he's made. And he is a, he is a genuinely great person that I enjoy being with. Mm. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. Well, if your son ever wants to have a guest spot on Gay With God, you tell your son (laughs) that I would be more than thrilled to have have a conversation with him. (laughs) Thank you. I'll let him know. Yeah. Um, So so what else is on on your mind to say before we end this afternoon? Is there anything that we missed? Anything that you want to say or to have people know? Um, I would I would like to just tell tell people in a similar situation that you have to be true to yourself. Mm. Um, Even if it's going to hurt the people that you love the most, you Mm. have to, because this is your shot. This is your, you know, if you Mm. believe in one life, this is your one life. And um, what a shame to waste it on Mm. not being yourself, Mm -hmm. be genuine. Mm -hmm. And um, it gets better. Mm -hmm. And we can see it gets better. You know, that project, it gets better. You know, there are so many people that are on the other side of it, like you are, that, you know, it's better, you know, it's better to authentically love and live your life. Yes, absolutely. I, I sustain that wholeheartedly. (laughs) 
Yay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate you. And I am so glad that we came into each other's little world. Um, it's, it's such an honor to have you here and to, to listen to your story. And, and I'm thrilled that um, I'd, I'd actually done a taping this morning for somebody that's also a PYP author, publisher. Oh, really? Author. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I found my people. <laughs> so it was really, it's really awesome to have you guys here. And so uh, before we quit though, tell us, um, tell us about your memoir and when the expected launch date is. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm still writing it. Okay. Um, I have about three, two or three chapters left to write. Um, and it covers, uh, it, co it, essentially it's a, it's a two books in one. Mm. It's memories from my childhood, mm. uh, really nostalgic, fun, happy memories. And then I tell in the second half of each chapter, I tell a traumatic story from my church experience. Mm. And I, and I wind a thread through the two stories Ooh. in each chapter. So it's really coming out great. I'm getting great feedback on it. Yeah. You told me that the other day that you created this way of doing a thread and, and then, you know, that just fascinates me so much. I can't wait to read whatever you've written. Um, thank you. You are so welcome. So thank you again, Chris, for being a part of Gay With God podcast. And um, I, I hope that soon that book will be published and we'll have you back for your promo and, yes, <laughs> and I'd publicize the heck out of it. So <laughs> I can't wait to do that for you. Mitch, so, thank you for doing this important work. I really appreciate oh. being a part of your project and, and mm. uh, I really adore you. You're, you're, oh. you're so cute. <laughs> you heard it here first, people. <laughs> adorable and cute. Write that down. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. And listen, guys, I want to thank all of you listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Chris, go to the Gay With God pod. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I do this every week. <laughs> go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. We don't have to be perfect people. Just show up. So if you are questioning... <laughs> Whether you can be gay and be in relationship with the God of your understanding. If you are authentically gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community and check out the Facebook group we have, Gay With God. See you next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.